Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. my football friends, this is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And we are right in the middle of Rose Bowl month. We're having a great time covering all these great games and aspects of the venue in Pasadena, California. And tonight is no exception. We have another great guest coming on to talk about another aspect of the Rose Bowl. And it's our friend Greg Tranter. Uh, Greg, welcome back to the Pigpen. Hey, yeah, thanks a lot, Darren. Great to be here again. Yeah, Greg, uh, you know, you just uh, were, t- were telling me a story of uh, you know, surviving the, the great Buffalo snowstorm uh, of a last week. And, uh, you know, that sounded pretty thrilling. You got to avoid it. And, uh, you know, your your Bills got to avoid it, too, by going to Detroit for a couple of games, uh, one unexpected, one planned. Uh, so how is, uh, you know, your your world going here with, uh, you know, all this activity of the Buffalo Bills having a great season and, uh, you know, of course, you you have some books out there on the Buffalo Bills as well. Yes, no, it's 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 been a fun season for sure, and yeah, the Bills are right in there, and their two wins in Detroit were were actually an NFL record. They're the first team to win two games in five days with both games being away from home, which wow. I find hard to believe. But that was they said they broke a record. Um, <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how they finish the season, but hopefully they'll uh, they'll finish strong and. Uh, in the playoffs and then anything can happen i i thought you were going to tell me that there was a record for the most wins by any team in detroit over the yeah, last year. well <laughs> uh, yes they were they, well they have the first two game winning streak in detroit since 2017 <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's pretty good too <laughs> okay I, I hope arnie chapman's not listening to this so, you know. yeah right <laughs> Or, or Randy Snow or, or any yeah, of those for guys. Sure, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll get some hate mail for sure. So, yeah. well, you know, tonight, uh, you, the Rose Bowl you're going to talk about sort of has a Buffalo Bills tie in. And I'll let you describe the game and, uh, you know, your story you want to tell about it. All right. Great. Great. I appreciate it. So, my Rose Bowl story actually begins with the death of my grandfather, who died on December 30th, 1967. And at the time I was 10 and I was really into sports. But as soon as my dad heard that his, his father passed away, 
he loaded up the car and we drove out to Ohio, which is where all of the rest of my parents' families were from. Um, so we drove out on and arrived at my grandmother's on New Year's Eve, uh, late New Year's Eve day. And my aunt, Mary Jane, scheduled a family get together for New Year's Day at her house with all my my father's siblings and their families. So there was about 25 of us getting together on New Year's Day at my aunt. And they lived right outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and so there were 25 people all together. And my grandfather wasn't going to be buried until January 3rd. So this was really intended to be like a celebration of his life. Um, and so we arrived at my aunt's on New Year's Day. Um, and the first thing that I find out is that my uncle, my uncle, Mike, is a graduate of Indiana University. Um, and of course, on January 1st, 1968, Indiana is playing in its first ever Rose Bowl against number one ranked Southern California in the 54th annual Rose Bowl. Um, and so, you know, so the, the, the day kind of goes on and my aunt had scheduled dinner for four o'clock Eastern time and the kickoff for the Rose Bowl was five. So perfect timing. Um, but everyone at my aunt's house was rooting for Indiana because they were either aligned with my uncle or they were Big Ten fans because they were in the Midwest. And so the only person in the entire house that was rooting for Southern Cal was me. <laughs> and of course, if you understand my background, you'd wonder why are you rooting for USC? Because I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Of course, and Notre Dame and USC are arch rivals, right? And my grandfather played for the University of Notre Dame in 1918 and 1919 for Newt Rockney. Actually, it was Rockney's first two teams. And 1919 was his first undefeated team. So my grandfather blocked for George Gipp and played with Curly Lambeau. He actually blocked in a game George Hallis. <laughs> so, um, so I was, a, of course, a big ND fan, and my dad graduated from Notre Dame. Um, so earlier in the 1967 season, I'll bring it back to the Rose Bowl, earlier in the 1967 season, I was watching the Notre Dame USC game on TV and they had this new running back named OJ Simpson and OJ dominated the game, especially the second half. And he rushed for 160 yards. He scored um, three second half touchdowns and USC came back to beat Notre Dame and they won 24 to seven. Well, I was enthralled with this new running back. I mean, it was like, the elusiveness, speed, power, just his ability to run the ball was like something I hadn't really seen like that before. Now, of course, I was only 10. So um, so I was like really interested in O.J. Simpson, despite them beating Notre Dame, um, probably because they beat Notre Dame. Right? I was like, well, this guy's got to be really good. Right. Um, so I followed him the rest of the season. Um, reading everything I could find about them. When they were on TV, I watched. Well, then they play UCLA later that year, and UCLA was undefeated and ranked number one in the country, and USC had one loss, and they were ranked fourth. And I, of course, was glued to the TV because whoever won that game was going to the Rose Bowl. 
And for those of you that might have watched the game on television or know anything about it, Simpson had two tremendous runs for touchdowns, and his 64-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter is still considered maybe the greatest run in college football history. Because if you watch the replay, he ran through basically the entire UCLA defense. And USC ended up winning the game 21-20 to 20 on, that, on that touchdown run. Um, so that just reinforced how much I liked OJ and, and USC. So at my aunts, it comes to the Rose Bowl, and it's like, I'm for USC. And nobody else in the house is for USC. And they're wondering, like, how can you like a California team that's a big arch rival of Notre Dame? It's like, this is like wrong. And it's like, no, no, no. And of course, out at 10, I'm proud that I'm the only one rooting for, for USC, right? Um, so anyway, it was, it was kind of an interesting dynamic for a 10-year-old. And it was my first Rose Bowl to watch on television. So I had never watched the Rose Bowl before that. Um, and so the, that Rose Bowl was my, was my first. Um, so now to kind of get toward the game, well, Indiana, if you know anything about their background, it was a great Cinderella story in 1967. The year before, they won one game, lost eight, and tied one. And then they completely turned it around under a third-year coach named John Pont was their, was their coach. And they ended up in the regular season going nine and one. Um, and they won seven games by a touchdown or less. And five of those games they won in the fourth quarter by scoring a, a, either a field goal or a touchdown late in the game to win. So they were your perfect Cinderella. They had never been to the Rose Bowl. And still, to this day, it's the only Rose Bowl Indiana has ever been in. Um, but they finished the regular season in a three-way tie for the Big Ten Championship. And they had upset Purdue. Purdue was ranked number three in the country, and they beat Purdue on the last day of the season to, tie, to create the tie for the Big Ten. Well, back in those days, the Big Ten, you couldn't go to consecutive Rose Bowls. So Purdue won in 1967 or 60. They, went, they were in the Rose Bowl in 67. They couldn't go to the Rose Bowl in January 1 of 68. So it came down to Indiana or Minnesota, which was the third team that was tied. And they ended up picking Indiana to go because Indiana had never gone. Um, and so Indiana got to go to the Rose Bowl. Now they were ranked fourth in the country. So they were ranked higher than Minnesota. So, you know, but they had lost to Minnesota earlier in the season. Um, but Indiana got to go um, to the Rose Bowl um, and play USC. Um, and like I said, they were ranked number four. They did have some high quality players that played in the NFL. Their running backs were a guy named John Eisenberger and another guy named Terry Cole, who were their two leading rushers, but both of which played, I think, three or four years in the NFL. They had defensive linemen, a guy named Cal Snowden, and another guy named Doug Cruson, who both also had NFL careers. Their quarterback was a guy named Harry Gonzo. Um, Harry actually became a lawyer um, and actually is a pretty, I think, well-known uh, attorney in the Midwest, but never played uh, pro football after Indiana, but he's in the Indiana Sports Hall of Fame and all kinds of things for this particular season that 
um, that they had. Um, but they were clearly the underdog to, to USC. Um, USC, after beating UCLA, even though they had one loss, jumped up to number one. So they were ranked number one going into the Rose Bowl. Indiana was ranked um, number four. Simpson, of course, had a tremendous season. He led the country in rushing with over 1,500 yards. He had like 13 touchdowns. Their quarterback was a guy named Steve Soggy. Um, they didn't pass a lot. You know, they, they ran out of their eye formation, which became, you know, certainly in the 60s and 70s, they were well known for their, you know, running formation out of the eye, which, of course, OJ was the star. Um, but they also had a good wide receiver, a guy named Earl McCullough, who was a Detroit Lion. He had a pretty good NFL career. Um, he was their star receiver. And then they also had Ron Yeri on the offensive line, who was both a college football and a pro football Hall of Famer. And then they had Tim Rosovich, who was a defensive lineman, who also had a good NFL career. So USC was, you know, was a really good team. And they were a 14-point favorite going into the, you know, going into the game. Um, and so the game, you know, the game's ready to go. It was a cool day in California. It was only 54 degrees. Um, so that's pretty cool for, um, Southern California. Um, but it was, you know, part, partly sunny and so on. So it wasn't a bad day, but it was somewhat cool. Um, USC got the opening kickoff, uh, started at their own 16 yard line and marched 84 yards right down the field. OJ had 38 yards on six carries and scored the first touchdown of the game on a, on a two yard run. And so USC was ahead seven, nothing, you know, kind of right off the bat, the house, my aunt's house was pretty quiet except for a 10 year old who was jumping up and down because OJ Simpson <laughs> scored a touchdown and USC was ahead. Um, and then, you know, later in the first quarter, um, USC had a second chance to get another touchdown. Um, but they were kind of using OJ as somewhat of a decoy because he had been carrying the ball like 35 times a game, which today is like unheard of, right? Um, but he would carry the ball 30 to 35 times a game. Um, and in this game, he didn't carry the ball that much. I mean, he, carry, he ended up carrying it 25 times, but that was less than his normal. So in the second quarter, they were using his his – you know, running mate, and the guy fumbled at the goal line, and Indiana recovered, or USC would have been ahead 14 nothing. So it was only 7 nothing, And then Indiana had a chance. They drove down the field, and they had a chance to get a touchdown, and a guy named Al Gage dropped Gonzo's pass in the end zone, or they would have tied the game. And they end up settling for a field goal. Um to make it seven to three, but at halftime, it was only seven to three. So like everybody in my aunt's house was like quite excited that they were that close and geez, maybe they could like pull the, you know, pull the big upset here. Right. Um, well then the, the second half starts and it's back and forth, you know, both teams punt and stuff. And then late in the third quarter, Indiana had bad field position and USC stopped them. And Eisenberger had only a 31-yard punt, and USC took over at the Indiana 45-yard line. And then it was OJ left, OJ right, OJ up the middle, um, and Simpson ran the last eight yards for the touchdown to put him ahead, 14 to three at the end of the third quarter. Um, 
And of course, it was to the delight of many of the 102,000 fans in the Rose Bowl and a one ten year old in Ohio <laughs> um, that they were up 14 to three. Um, the fourth quarter was, you know, not all that exciting from the point of view of Indiana really couldn't move the ball. USC shut them down um, and ended up, you know, closing out the game and winning, you know, 14 to 14 to three. Um, and, you know, Simpson was the star of the game. He had 128 yards rushing the both touchdowns. He was the player of the game. Um, and so I was, uh, I was quite, I was quite delighted um, that they, that they won. Um, and, you know, and actually it was interesting that most of my, uh, my family was, was happy that Indiana acquitted themselves quite well. You know, they only lost 14 to three. They didn't embarrass themselves. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I don't think most of them expected, you know, Indiana to win, but, you know, you always hope your team does. Um, and of course, USC went on and won the national championship because, um, you know, because of the victory over, over Indiana. Um, so it was quite a, it was quite a fun, uh, it was quite a fun experience. And, you know, and because we were in the, you know, we lived on the East Coast, we didn't get together with the whole family very often. Um, you know, if once a year, you know, we would go home for one of the holidays, but usually somebody couldn't come or whatever. So to have everybody together was kind of a special family experience. But then to be my first Rose Bowl and to have O.J. Simpson, you know, who then, of course, later becomes a Buffalo Bill. Right. Um, so um, so it was it was really uh, a memorable experience, you know, for for me, for sure. Wow, that that is a, that's quite the story. There's a lot of layers to that story. I'm myself and the audience. I'm sure we're trying to soak this in. So, so your your grandfather, the one that passed, was the one that played for for Rocky. No, oh sorry, yeah, I didn't make that clear. Yeah, so no, the one oh. that passed was not my grandfather that played football. It was my so the grandfather that played football was my mom's dad. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that would have been really hard because I'm, I'm saying, boy, that's that's like horrific. The family had to be horrified. <laughs> yeah. No, it was on my dad's side. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. Because <laughs> okay. uh, I was much closer to my grandfather that played football than than my other grandfather. Wow. I mean, that, that's just a great story. I mean, great job on the research of the, the game and your memories of the game and bringing that family element into it. Cause that's, that's really what the Rose Bowl is all about. You're always watching it with family. It's the holidays. You got people, you know, coming and going and it's just a, it's an event to watch. Yes. And that's what a lot of people that I spoke to uh, all are saying and they're sharing, you know, they have great memories of the Rose Bowl, myself included. Uh, you know, you, you know where you are at certain points when Rose Bowl was on and who you were watching it with. And I can't say that with a lot of games I've watched. You know, <laughs> right. like, I, mean, I know I probably watched that game. I don't remember, but that Rose Bowl. Yeah. You definitely remember those. Now, the other thing is, you know, uh, Southern Cal, you know, the, the Pac-10 side of things on the Rose Bowl, they didn't have that same rule that the Big Ten had, like you said, of not repeating because Southern Cal had quite a run. That was their second of four straight years going to the Rose Bowl. 
uh, they end up being two and two. The one that you talked about, the the fifty four throws bowl, they of course won. Uh, they lost the year prior Purdue, like you, you said, uh, lost to Ohio State the year after. It was a number one versus number two showdown, uh, which is a, a great thing. And then uh, they beat Michigan uh, two years after that in a close game. So yeah, they had quite a run with uh, Coach John McKay and uh, you know, all the, the studs that he had in the backfield, including OJ. Uh, yeah, well, and that, this was his second national championship of four. He won four national championships while he was at USC. And like you said, the next year, USC lost to Ohio State. And if they had won, they would have won the national championship. And they were actually ahead at halftime. That was OJ had an 80-yard touchdown run in that Rose Bowl and ended up with 100 and actually more yards than he had against Indiana. But but they didn't have enough else. And Indiana or Ohio State was, was a really good team that year too. So, yeah. Uh, they they were stacked too. Ohio State was, but uh, yes, good good for Indiana though, because you know that you don't like you say you don't hear of them, uh, in at least in the football realm of uh, doing great collegiately, but uh, right. in basketball you heard of them. But that's great that the, they got an opportunity and like you said they showed up and and played a good game against a powerhouse. You know, and right, right. I mean, like n- nobody. Yeah, I mean USC was stacked with you know college Hall of Famers, Pro Football Hall of Famers, and you know Indiana had guys that played in the NFL, but they weren't you know superstars by any means. Yeah, um, wow. so great, great, great job on that. Now, I guess Chris uh, can sort of segue that in. Uh, you know, speaking of OJ, he he's. Uh, comes up in, in your latest book uh, on your uh, Buffalo sports <laughs> curse. And uh, maybe you'd like to, to, you know, first, I guess, give us the full title of the book and where folks can, can get that and tell us a little bit about that. I know we had a, a full episode on it, but uh, give us sort of the dust cover version of. of yeah. The- yeah. No, sure. It's called the Buffalo sports curse, 120 years of pain, <laughs> disappointment, heartbreak, and eternal optimism, which is a Bills fan or any Buffalo sports fan. <laughs> Um, And the book basically chronicles 120 years of a sports curse that actually began in 1901 and is still prevalent today because no Buffalo professional sports team in the four major sports has ever won a universally recognized championship. Um, And so the book basically chronicles all the close calls, blown calls, missed opportunities. Um, Something always seemed to go wrong at the wrong time. Um, to cause Buffalo uh, championships. And of course, OJ, um, he's actually featured in the book more because he was the face of Buffalo on the national scene for years. Um, he was a big proponent of the city. Um, and when you thought in, you know, in the 1980s and 90s, if you thought of Buffalo sports, you thought of OJ. Um, and then, you know, here and, and you know, and OJ at the time, you know, he was really the first athlete to transcend race. He was an athlete that was in the limelight all the time, well past his, his professional football career was over. Um, and then to, ha- you know, to have the murders occur and all that, that, you know, that came with it, um, you know, Buffalo, you know, B- Buffalo lost something, Um because, you know, there's 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 never been a greater fall from grace from us. You know, it'd be like today, it'd be like Michael Jordan or Tom Brady or LeBron James, you know, doing something like that and falling from, you know, 
you know, the kind of the top of the sports world, right? That's where OJ was. Um, and Buffalo lost a lot because, you know, because of that. Um, and so, you know, obviously it's a terrible tragedy. Um, but uh, so anyway, so I, I chronicle that, that story because it, it is so Buffalo and it really affected the city and, and the city's perception, I think, nationally. Um, so, uh, you know, so that's in there. The other part that's in there that re- relates back to the Rose Bowl. So one of my um, one of the things that I really got the opportunity is I got to go to the Rose Bowl, not to see the Rose Bowl, but to see the Super Bowl. Um, so Super Bowl 27 was played in the Rose Bowl um, when, um, you know, the Bills played the Cowboys, the first uh, Super Bowl between the two teams. Of course, the Bills ended up playing a horrible game that day. Um, but I had seats in the end zone that overlooked the mountains. I mean, it was like the most gorgeous view you'd ever have at a sports event. Um, it was just fabulous, even though the Bills didn't play good. It was just so cool to be in and around the Rose Bowl. <sighs> Well, that's a great stories there too. So yeah, amazing stuff. Uh, Greg, uh, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing the Super Bowl memory and, you know, bringing back some of those you know, glory days of, you know, the John McKay, uh, USC Trojans and some of those great uh, teams and players like OJ and, and some of the others and, uh, just great, some great Super Bowl memories. And we thank you for that. And, uh, and, um, did, I'm sorry. Did you mention where, where folks can get your book? Oh, no, I did not. So okay. they can get it. Um, thanks for the reminder. They can get it at RIT Press. So that's Rochester Institute of Technology Press. Um, if you, you know, just put that in and Google, um, it'll take you to their website and it's right there. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on barnesandnoble.com. Um, and if you're in Western New York, you can get it at any of the local, uh, the local bookstores. Um, and some other gift shops and stuff around around Western New York. All right. Well, Greg, thank you very much for joining us once again and uh, you know sharing your football no- knowledge, your passion, and uh, you know some great history. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Darren. Really appreciate it. It's been fun. We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're gonna have to punt the ball and get on out of here. But we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines. So be sure to tune in. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. PigskinDispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. 
His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.